how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're vital. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome back to Creative Principles. I am your host, Brock Swinson. Now, normally this is where I interview amazing writers, screenwriters, authors, creatives, musicians, all types. But over the next 15 or 16 episodes, we're doing something very special and actually giving away my first book, Ink by the Barrel, Secrets from Prolific Writers, the full audiobook over these next several episodes. If it's your first time here, make sure to hit that subscribe button. We will be back to interviews very soon. But this is part of my mission this year to give away 100,000 copies of my book. So if you haven't already grabbed your copy, go over to brockswinson.com. You'll see a link to the PDF. That's a digital download and audiobook, which you're about to listen to here. You'll also see at brockswinson.com access to things like the free 30-day prolific writing challenge and also some other challenges built around writing, such as the Upwork Unfair Advantage, which will teach you how to be a six-figure freelancer. You can also find courses such as how to write a nonfiction book in 12 weeks and some upcoming screenwriting and TV writing courses as well, along with my brand new one-on-one mentorship, Storyteller Launchpad. All that's over at brockswinson.com, but now let's jump into Ink by the Barrel, Secrets from Prolific Writers. In this book, which I wrote around episode 250 of the podcast, across these episodes, you'll learn things like how to annihilate a writer's block by embracing the playful trickster mentality or how to weaponize your anxiety with the different is better approach, how to defend your time with the calendar anorexia mindset, what it means to create ruthless prioritization and use the urgent versus important system, and probably most importantly, how to avoid self-sabotage. It's all on the pages of Ink by the Barrel, Secrets from Prolific Writers. And make sure to join my email list to learn about my upcoming book, The Self-Reliant Artist. All that's over at brockswinson.com. Chapter 7. Make it Personal I view authenticity like a totalitarian state. David Chang, Ugly Delicious. According to filmmaker Ken Burns, you only need two things to start any creative project. First, you need to have something to say. Second, you need to be willing to persevere. It's simple but not easy, like walking the Appalachian Trail or swimming from the shore to an island in the distance. Like any great journey, when you make something truly personal, the reps are less important than the reason you're doing it in the first place. In other words, diligence is everything. That said, personal work is often the farthest thing from any writer's mind. It's too precious, it's too obvious, it's too, well, personal. We know ourselves so well, and yet it's the aspiration we strive for the least. Sure, we give it a shot as children, perhaps, but as soon as ego kicks in, being personal in the public eye is just too daunting. This is the same reason younger kids are actually more creative than older kids. But it's through the personal that we find a voice in the first place. If your work is missing something, aim within. If you're tired of seeing the same thing over and over again, inspire others to aim within. 
Hollywood is lacking original good ideas, said writer-director Halmari Helander. It's time for original ideas to bring something new to the screen. The business seems somewhat desperate. Let's hope they come along soon. We're all preoccupied with that which does not satisfy. This is true for everything. Hellander specifically is talking about the excessive amount of intellectual property or IP that makes its way to the big screen via the current Hollywood studio model. In the early years, most films were original ideas. Then it felt like a safe bet to make movies based on books, somewhere around 80%. These days, it's easiest to focus on long-term franchises, one-off sequels, prequels, and everything in between. Another blockbuster spinoff, another inadequate sequel, another unnecessary prequel. There are a few reasons for this phenomenon, but the easiest answer is to blame the system itself. They're buying IP movies, so we're writing IP scripts. But every now and then, something original hits the screen and takes the world by storm. Sure, it's copied a million times shortly thereafter, but that spark is all anyone remembers. The Sixth Sense was about a kid, but it wasn't a kid's movie. Fight Club was satire, posing as machismo action, posing as satire. The Blair Witch Project was found footage so eerie that no one was sure if it was real or fake. No one ever discovered greatness trying to merely copy someone else. And as the list above proves, 1999 was perhaps the last great year at the box office. When you reach for the stars, you don't end up with a handful of mud. Jason Sudeikis said, Aiming to be on Saturday Night Live will change the way you make your stuff. If you're trying to fit in, you're never going to be the shape you think you need to be. You're only going to be the shape you think you need to be. That goes for everything. What shape is your work? What shape inspires you? What shape are you? If you take this journey, you might find yourself still recreating something already in the market because the market is huge, but deep down, you'll know you can still make it on your own. If it's authentic enough, believe me, it will feel original, says Elizabeth Gilbert. The movies are the most notable example of this heartbreaking lack of authenticity, but it's in all forms of art. Art, after all, comes with a monetary value. This is complicated, but it's not the end of the world. The trick is to wear multiple hats, like a writer-producer or writer-director, but if that's too complicated in the beginning of your career, think of it this way. How can you create leverage as an artist? Most people don't start off by wearing two metaphorical hats. Instead, they work up to this level, but they do so by creating leverage. Ironically, the leverage comes from something you already have, but have most likely ignored your entire life. The leverage comes from you, your personal story, or at least your unique insight. Tim Ferriss advises listeners to build businesses that, quote, scratch their own itch. Kevin Kelly tells his readers, don't be the best, be the only. AFI teaches students to, quote, write their way to the table. The list goes on and on, but it's all about writing something personal from the heart. I've written scripts where I get to the end of the first draft and it feels pretty dead. It doesn't have the sense of fun or the sense of a strong character in it. I think when my screenplays don't work, it has to do with the characters being the idea of a person rather than actually letting them be a person, says Matson Talman, screenwriter of Project Power and The Batman. Whenever Talman gets stuck on something, he literally looks down at his hand where he has a tattoo that reads, Who Cares? This doesn't mean shrugging off something, but instead examining who cares about what's happening on the screen. Who does this affect? What does this do for the audience? 
He goes on, for me, who cares is another way of saying, so what? It's the prompts I give myself while writing to strip back the layers and hit that raw nerve. If I can find the who cares of an idea, then I know it will be somewhat universal, somewhat primal. So if it connects to me, it will connect to others as well. Talman continues, if it doesn't have that, I haven't done my work. I've got to keep working to find that who cares. Everybody has a story, and we all go through certain types of pain and joy. There are human experiences we all share one way or another. The human experience is the only reason the scaffolding matters in the first place. Without it, your project is nothing more than scaffolding. Don't be so good at the prep that you forget to finish the original goal. Don't forget to share your voice. You can construct a rock-solid 3X structure, but if there isn't a heartbeat in the center of it, your viewers aren't going to get engaged, says Sam Shaw, writer of Manhattan and the Stephen King-inspired series Castle Rock. The rules matter, yes, but so does emotion. It's just you and your keyboard, says Michael Lannon. People will offer you all types of opinions, but they don't really know anything. They don't know what the world that you're trying to communicate is. They will tell you if it fits into the marketplace or not. But if you have a burning passion for your world, then the only person that knows anything is you. Lana continues, I've seen writers who are clearly working on something so beautiful and so personal that it scares them. So they turn to another project or idea that fits the compatibility of the marketplace and what people are buying. But that personal thing is usually the most amazing thing I've ever read of theirs. The things that matter, matter because they make a connection. The things that matter, matter because they are authentic. The things that matter, matter because they are undeniably true. If you make it as human as possible, as local as possible, as true to the place as possible, somehow the universal themes come out and speak to many, says writer Gideon Raff. Screenwriters need to have compassion for themselves. In the beginning, the drafts are not as good as you want them to be, and it's all about sitting down and continuing, 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 until you feel in your gut that it's ready to show. Raff believes in the personalness of the story more than anything else, such as eventual runtime or number of episodes. He says, People are more open to different formats. The story dictates the length. There's no obligation to hit a certain number of episodes, and that's freeing. Tell it the way you want to tell it. Then the themes will reveal themselves. It's important to understand this is different for everyone, but it's also important to know what that means for you. I've always been drawn to stories about violence and religion in the South, where those things intersect and explode, where they crash together, the good and the bad, admits director Scott Teams. Those ideas are intertwined. I'm quite repulsed by agenda-driven stories that feel like propaganda. In one of Teams' works called The Quarry, the film is both a large and small story packed into one. It's about guilt and conscience and sin. It's also a small personal story about a guy carrying a burden. I like the idea of combining the epic and the intimate, he told me. Screenwriter Misha Green took on the difficult job of bringing slavery to television with her series Underground. Follow the story you want to tell, she said. I think when people try to mold their story sensibilities into what they've already seen on the screen, that's where things get a little bit lost. We want new stories. We're all craving it. Keep writing the things that you want to write, because other people will love it too. She adds, With historical fiction, you have to always navigate the landmines of truth, of what really happened in that time, even though you can have characters whose truth is different from what happened. Tomlin, Teams, Lannan, Shaw, and Green 
are very different writers who are interested in very different subjects, but the truth in their stories is the same. It's meant to be personal. This is why trends don't matter. This is why your work must be a representation of you. This is why you're the only person who can create the next trend. And if you don't, that doesn't matter either. Whatever the trend is now, when you finish your script, the trend is going to be something else, explains screenwriter Jessica Scharzer. Trying to second-guess the market is a fool's errand. Underneath everything else, the story must be human, not trendy. Real, not replicated. Personal, not bankable. Don't worry, though. The money does come later. I'm drawn to human stories disguised as universe creation. From The Incredible Hulk to Dark Crystal to Now You See Me, says Louis Leterrier, the director of these films. I always tell stories about small, normal people that are pushed into the roaring river of life's adventure. I'm also French, so I love the reluctant hero. So if we can make the big stories personal, logically we should also be able to make the small stories personal, right? If The Incredible Hulk can be somewhat realistic, what should that mean about your personal essay, your short story, your song, your poem? Most memoirs fail because of voice, says memoirist Mary Carr. It's not distinct enough to sound alive and compelling, and there are staunch limits to emotional tone, so it emits a single register. Being too cool or too shrill can ruin the read. You don't believe or trust the voice. You're not curious about the inner or outer lives of the writer. The author's dead in the water. Carr also believes this important truth. Each great memoir lives or dies based 100% on voice. For her, this means looking at her own life in a therapeutic manner. She said, The sharpest memories often give me the spooky sense of looking out from former eye holes at a landscape decades since gone. It's through these various points of vision that she's able to see herself in a new way. You'll need both sides of yourself, the beautiful and the beastly, to hold a reader's attention. But it's not enough even to evaluate yourself from an outside objective alone. You have to dig deep enough to find the truth within joy or pain or heartache. You have to understand that most of the beautiful things in your life come from some form of heartbreak suffered long ago. Everybody I know who wades deep enough into memory's waters drowns a little, writes Carr. Then you have to come back to the other side, which is likely where the quote attributed to Hemingway about sitting at the typewriter to bleed came from. Through the pain comes the discovery. Through the discovery comes the voice. If this sounds difficult to you, it is. But the real crime is not telling your story. As Zora Neale Hurston says, If you are silent about your pain, they'll kill you and say you enjoyed it. If you have the luxury of writing about another person's pain instead of your own, the key is to ask questions, but also to leave room for answers. I have no technique in asking questions, shares John McPhee. I just stay there and fade away as I watch people do what they do. He adds, I'd much rather watch people do what they do than talk to them across a desk. If you can notice these traits in other people, you can notice them in yourself. Separating who you are, what you do, and how you perform means everything. It even helps you better understand the written word. Professor James Wood writes, Literature differs from life and that life is amorphously full of detail and rarely directs us towards it, where literature makes us better noticers of life which in turn makes us better readers of literature, which in turn makes us better readers of life. For those hesitant to tell the stories of others, you have to remember they're a part of your story. Sometimes you're the hero, sometimes you're the heavy. 
Either way, you own that which happens to you. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. It's your story. You own everything that happened to you, writes Anne Lamott in Bird by Bird. Tell your stories. If people wanted you to write warmly about them, they should have behaved better. Lamott adds, Write straight into the emotional center of things. Write toward vulnerability. Risk being unliked. Tell the truth as you understand it. If you're a writer, you have a moral obligation to do this. And it is a revolutionary act. Truth is always subversive. But at the same time, you must understand the risk you are taking. That's the tightrope walk of being a professional truth teller. You need to tell the truth, but only if the truth matters. Lamont concludes... You don't always have to chop with the sword of truth. You can point with it, too. Know how to understand the truth. Know when to shine a light. Know when to pull the trigger. Once you understand these truths, you can learn something else about yourself. In fact, it's one of the most important aspects you can ever learn. You are not your work. And with that, you are also not your pain. Write personal work, but don't take criticism personally. I don't choose to stay in one particular paragraph of my story. It's a long story, says comedian Kevin Hart about dealing with the trauma of youth. Hart, among others listed in this chapter, is talking about avoiding labels to be yourself. You are not male, you are not female, you are not black, white, Asian, or Hispanic. You're not even a writer. You are just yourself at the keyboard, performing the act of writing. That's all that matters in any given moment of work. If you consciously write for a teacher or for an editor, you'll end up not writing for anybody. If you write for yourself, you'll reach the people you want to write for, states William Zinser. You are writing for yourself. Don't try to visualize the great mass audiences. There is no such audience. Every reader is a different person. He continues, Writers are driven by a compulsion to put some part of themselves on paper, and yet they don't just write what comes naturally. They sit down to commit an act of literature, And the self who emerges on paper is far stiffer than the person who sat down to write. The problem is to find the real man or woman behind that tension. Of all the subjects available to you as a writer, the one you know best is yourself, your past and your present, your thoughts and your emotions. Yet it's probably the subject you try hardest to avoid. As for any form of creative block, you'll find the solution if you look for the human element. The writers who stick to their personal guns are inevitably the most relatable. Liz Feldman, creator of Dead to Me, gives this advice. Be true to yourself. Look inside yourself. Go to the place that makes you uncomfortable and vulnerable and mind that, because that's yours. Only you have that story. Only you have that feeling. And there is an audience for it. This means examining individual scenes, but also beyond the current story. Try to visualize your show far into the future, she told me. You need to find the legs of your show before you're asked to. When I allow myself to tell a story like Dead to Me, which comes from a really personal, vulnerable place, including subject matter I'd rather not talk about, when I force myself to go there, I think my best work has come out, she said of the Netflix dramedy. What are these characters feeling and going through, she will ask herself. So often that leads you to where the twist or turn reveals itself. I always want to answer this question. Would the character do this? The answer has to be yes. With this in mind, even when you're writing fiction, you're still writing the truth. Author Chuck Palahniuk writes, Getting inside a character might seem like a vacation from being you, but face it, you're never not you. Once you do all this, mining the pain will help you avoid some of those feelings of vulnerability. As author James Clear said, Not taking things personally is a superpower. 
When your audience arrives, will you wear an S on your chest or wear your heart on your sleeve? Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's different is better approach. And learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy that's digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. And if it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.